Let's talk about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. That's right. No more excuses. Get your lazy ass off the couch. Go start a podcast. There's the creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone with computer. Once again, no more excuses. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Could it be easier? Even better, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. They're paying us for this ad. Thank you very much, Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started now. This is The Dime, a 10-minute dive into the cannabis and hemp industry through trends, insights, predictions, and tangents. What's up, guys? This is The Dime. We have our first ever guest, Mike Padgett. We couldn't have thought of anyone better, Mike, but here you are. Welcome to The Dime and the Hot Takes Only. So this week, we're talking about water-soluble cannabinoids. But before we dive into the topics, Mike, we just want to give a, a quick, let's say, 15-second background on you and how you entered the cannabis space. Awesome. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me. And uh it's uh, been a wild ride. Um, originally from the south side of Chicago, um, went to University of Illinois, Chicago. After that, uh, did a stint at Vanderbilt. And then from there, went into the cannabis industry to Washington and then California. Uh, background is in biology, physics, and then molecular pharmacology and neuroscience, where I specialized in imaging. Awesome. Awesome. And for those who are unfamiliar with you and where you work, you want to give a, a quick dive into your organization and a quick little plug? Yeah. Um, I'm currently operating with Thar Process out of Pittsburgh. Um, we manufacture the world's largest supercritical CO2 uh, extraction and purification equipment. So that means um, your traditional uh, CO2 extraction, but with chromatography added to that to where we could take plants, make them into an oil, and then take those oils and separate them into their different cannabinoid constituents. Awesome. All right, let's get into it. According to an article from Fortune Business Insight, the cannabis beverage market is estimated to reach over $2 billion globally by 2026, a shocking increase from the current value of roughly $173 million. We'll start with you, Mike. Yeah. Cannabis infused drinks on a molecular level. How do they work? Um, so you take a nano emulsion, right? So you have an oil and what you need to do is fractionate them, so to speak. Not so much breaking bonds, but making these molecules smaller so then they can be nano encapsulized, right? So a lot of individuals use different methodology of ultrasonic uh, nano encapsulation using ultrasound um, and then running that through a kind of closed loop, so to speak, with different surfactants. Um, very lab bench scale and people have been now, I've been trying to see different clients going to prep scale, as they would say. Um, so needless to say, it, it's a, it's a energy, a highly energy um, I guess needed requirement for this because you have all these lab bench top scales and in order to scale that up, 
um, you might need like multitude of these small benchtop um, devices. Kelly? No, I think you did a good job explaining it. Um, really, it's taking the cannabinoid molecule and surrounding it with other molecules that are more polar, right? So they interact with water, right? Because cannabinoid is an oil. So last time I checked when I pour olive oil into water when I'm making spaghetti, um, it's really hard to mix the two together, right? So <laughs> um, they just add a couple molecules, like he was saying, kind of break it into smaller pieces. And the molecules they add do dissolve in water. So you kind of think of it like if you're trying to clean that greasy pan, you can't do it with just water. You add soap, right? Soap is that surfactant that he was just discussing. The soap molecules, if you will, it's not soap because that would be probably not taste very well if you drink soap. Disgusting. I'm not recommending drinking soap. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll put that in the description. No yeah, it's like a bridge, right? So it takes a cannabinoid and makes it soluble in water with like the help of another molecule. This is typically what they're using with and the nano part is just means it's on the nano scale, right? So to, so to take it one step further, when I go to the gas station and I want to pick up a THC beverage, what type of potency am I looking at for the average consumer? Man, not definitely not what they package the, <laughs> the contents as. Uh, I would say probably one third. Um, you know, you'd have to take it in. Um, but yeah, traditionally, you, I've, I've had individuals go out, eat a bunch of these things, and they're like, I don't feel anything. CBD is not real. And I'm like, okay, well, what was your dosage? They're like, well, it said 10 MGs. And I said, okay, well, that's most likely not enough. So when you go out, you say, hey, this package says 10 milligrams. Okay, out of that 10 milligrams, what is actually in there? Is it just the powder that's coating, you know, your gummy? Is it inside the gummy? What, what is going on, you know? Or it's, is it in this drink, right? So how do you verify that? Um, and traditionally, like I've said in the past, you know, year or so, people trying to, what they call vendor verification, would go uh, and then try to test these themselves. And I've seen, you know, upwards of, you know, one third of the, the recommended or the uh, described potency. Kellen, how does one who's making a selection for a cannabis beverage feel comfortable in knowing that the manufacturer stands by its claims and that the individual can say, if I'm going to, to purchase this drink for 15, $20, whatever it costs, that I'm gonna consume enough THC in order to elicit the, the high psychoactive feeling that I'm looking to feel? I don't think that you can answer that accurately right now, just because the industry is so new, right? And so I kind of like, I go back to a talk I heard at the Science Symposium in 2019 at the Emerald Conference, right? Or at the MJ Biz Conference, the Science Symposium, right, is what it was. And like, okay, I go to a store that has a license, right? It's a dispensary. They had to get a license through the state. They have products that quote unquote have been tested by third party testing labs that are on the retail shelf, right? Uh, I pick it up and I look at the label and it says, like Mike said, 10 MGs, right? I'm like, sweet. I go, I pay for it. I go home, I drink it. And I'm like, huh, that's weird. I didn't feel this or that or whatever. And unfortunately right now, because the industry is so new, and there's just so many, it's the wild west, right? So yeah, in theory, the way that the structure of testing the material before the consumer gets their hands on it 
yeah, in theory, that sounds like it should prevent any bad actors from being out there. But unfortunately, that's not how the real world works, right? It's not theory, it's the real world. And so you just can't put faith in labels, right? So like, I don't have a really solid recommendation for follow these four steps when you buy a cannabinoid drink right now, right? Because it's just so wild. I would say do a lot of research on the different manufacturers, try to find the manufacturers, right? Narrow down to a list of four brands that you're like, okay, these seem like trusted manufacturers because they're in multiple dispensaries. They have a larger kind of footprint. And then you want to look at their teams. You, you even like, it's tough because now you got to go look at the third party testing lab that they use to certify their beverages, right? And you want to do re research on that team and see, okay, is, are all these good actors, right? And so it, it, it's almost like, like angel investing, if you will, right? Like you have to do these weeks of due diligence before you can be like, okay, I, try, I at least have an idea that this brand out here is producing something that I can believe. Because unfortunately, consumers put all of their faith in labels, right? And as was demonstrated, and Mike just touched on it, um, at the um, science symposium at MJ Biz last year was literally there was an entire talk about how, hey, I went and bought these 20 products from these dispensaries in California, and I went and bought these 20 CBD products online, and not one of them had what the label said was in them. Right. And so unfortunately that's just where the industry is. And it, it's just at the end of the day, it's, we need more good actors in the industry to help drive it forward so that you can put faith in your labels. Like we're used to as us consumers right now. Right. I think people to touch upon that as well. And great points. Um, you know, everybody thinks this is like a, huge commercial grade, you know, GMP facilities that are happening. That is trying to happen right now, but there is no checks and balances, so to speak. There's a structure that we're trying to achieve from, you know, tobacco or, you know, alcohol or nutraceuticals, right? That people are like, oh, that's the structure. Well, okay, how do we get there? And then what is it gonna cost? to do that too. Um, but yeah, Kellen definitely hit on, you know, vendor verification on all those aspects. But one thing I, I, I might disagree with, uh, and then other individuals might disagree with would be how large a company is, because if they are then getting to be their manufacturing to be this large, you know, okay, what is their formulation like, right? Did we just do a batch of 10 kgs and then we missed like a one or a zero? And then now all of a sudden we're like, oh shit. Well, okay, how much money is it gonna spend to cost us to take that back? Oh, well, let's just put it out there, you know? And then at that point it's like, oh God, who just checked and balanced that? Nobody. I think those are both really strong points and I'm gonna disagree with you, Kellen, pretty aggressively that when I go to a store and there's a product that I want to purchase, I don't do any research. I see a product. I like the label. I grab it. That's how my selection. I've worked in manufacturing. You haven't made those products. You don't know all of the shortcuts that people take. You're thousand percent right. And it's <laughs> to know that those steps are not taken correctly. For example, when I tried sources, hundred milligram fruit punch drink, I was petrified. Right. Um, we're standing on the top floor of the penthouse in Las Vegas and the guy hands me this drink. This is pre-COVID, right? Because obviously in this world, we would never do this. And I tried this 
this drink and I'm, I'm petrified for someone who barely consumes THC. I've got no idea how much is too much to sip this one drink. And that's where I guess my real question was, is how much of that when I sip this one part of this drink, is it going to be a couple milligrams of THC? Like how, how does one know what the ample amount of consumption from a milligram standpoint is from a portion of a product like that? I think that that's a really interesting point because if you look at like this goes straight into dosage, right? And there are people that get paid insane amounts of money to do that calculation. They're called anesthesiologists, right? So like Brian's, his weight, his metabolism, his age, all are going to factor into how you metabolize THC, right? So like that's where it's such an interesting industry because technically you're dosing yourself, right? Like you don't know if 10 milligrams is too much for you at that time, based on all of those factors and variables, right? Like it could not even be enough, right? Like, and that's the, that's the craziest thing is that like, usually in the pre-cannabis world, if you were going to start ingesting chemicals that affect your brain, there would be an anesthesiologist being like, okay, here's his blood levels, his weight, let me do the math, like all these other things. Now in the cannabis space, if you're going to ingest a molecule that affects your mentality, you're just like, uh, maybe two, two more sips, maybe, right? Like, right. like it, it's pretty wild to think that, like, that's where we've now moved from, like, a um, administering psychoactives, I guess. And, and to take that even further, I, like, maybe this thought is off, but my thought was that consuming it via the beverage would act faster than if I was taking an edible, but still was unsure of the speed at which it would hit me and then knowing if I had consumed too much. So is that the right thought process from a kind of consumption standpoint for how, how the availability would work? What do you think, Mike? You think beverages hit you faster or edibles hit you faster? Um, I guess it depends on what's inside the, the edible, but just from a physical standpoint, a liquid, you know, even from when it hits your gums, your inner layer of your gums, it can start absorption, right? And then what is actually inside that gummy too, you know, let's say, okay, I now put my gummy on the inside of my lip. Let's see what happens, right? So a lot of people on how to properly take your drugs, right? I mean, I don't know if any of you have ever went to a festival, but there are some people out there that guide you on how to take your drugs right and then what are those guys are they like doctors yeah well they they claim to be from a different realm <laughs> spiritual they're doctors in the sense of they're here but they're really not here it's any anyway not saying i ever went through that but um anyway it, it's education right on how to teach individuals how to take their drugs but in that Yes, uh, when you would think, okay, yeah, I'm drinking, you know, a liquid. I'm now thinking, okay, I'm going to get hydrated if this is water, right? If this is booze, I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to get a lot more drunk when I, like, do a beer bong rather than, like, a beer gummy, right? People kind of, from where we came from, they, an analogy, they put a, an analogy on those two things where it might not be the case, right? Where maybe in this gummy, it has now concentrated the distillate so much that when I eat it, it's like, oh God, 
okay, well, now it just went into my stomach and now it was a higher concentration because it's in a smaller gummy, gummy to where I just took this liquid and it was more or less potent because it was in a certain type of, um, I guess, suspension. You remember so, that, uh, that 100 milligram? Oh, no. I, made? <laughs> I was high for three days. That sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> I, you would wake up and you're like, this is still happening. Why is this happening? No. And like people were <laughs> like, I took too much. And then that's when you're like, I think I need to throw up. Any, any like, story that starts with Kellen saying, remember that time I made and him laughing is a very <laughs> scary story sounding. Our well, boss was like, I can, I don't get high, like from edibles, no way. And I was like, that's just, you just haven't eaten enough. And he was like, give me whatever you think that and i was like okay like i'll give you a 100 milligram pill and we'll see what happens we didn't see him for like four days he was like i, didn't have a bed. And I was like see i told you you can't yeah. just sit i like world. i went to work and i'm like i can't go to work <laughs> i don't want to go to work i want to chill <laughs> all right prediction time the year is 2026 cannabis is federally legal We've done a ton of research. Technology is advanced. The cannabinoid-infused beverage market. What does it look like? What are the hot takes? What's it like going to a bar? What's the favorite product? Kellen, we'll start with you. I don't think you'll be able to buy. I think that cannabinoid drinks are not going to take off like people assume. It's not like alcohol, right, in my opinion, because it's not a molecule that facilitates this like more, 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 more situation. Like you can get to a point with THC where like you can just keep smoking and you're not going to get more high, right? Like you can keep drinking the beverages and like, yeah, you might get like high and uncomfortable, but you're probably just going to end up going to sleep. Right. So versus alcohol, it's got that more of like the social opens up these doorways. People get less like in their own head and like, you know, then you could drink all night versus I think the cannabinoid beverages, it's going to be like one, two, and people are going to be like, all right, I'm ready to go watch a movie and go to sleep. Right. So I don't think that you could compare it from a um, monetary perspective, like you can to the alcohol market. So I don't think it's going to be at like $2 billion, like Forbes imagines. I see it's going to be a really massive player within the space, but I don't know. That's my prediction. I think it's going to be a lot smaller than 2 billion in 2026. Just because like you buy a six pack and it's going to sit there for a couple weeks, you know what I mean? Versus you buy a six pack of beer, you might have to buy another six pack the next day if you had a couple buddies over, you know? It's interesting. Yeah. Mike? Um, I'm going to go a different route on that. I think it's going to actually be bigger than that. I look at the culture, right? And then I look at where market is now. Um, I think technology is going to definitely take over um, a lot of this space um, where a lot of these larger companies have developed different techniques to encapsulate molecules, but also the different cannabinoids that are coming out on the market, right? Minor cannabinoids have not even been, talk been talked about. So in that, that brings a whole different kind of pond to fish from to then elucidate a physiological response so let's say 
hey, I have now legalized the, the cannabis as a nutraceutical in all beverage markets. And now what I'm going to do is not just put them in energy drinks or anything like that, but now what you're going to do is lower alcohol content and kind of, I think, match a little bit of these minor cannabinoids or maybe even THC, so to speak, or just take alcohol out completely. And then you're going to start drinking these minor cannabinoids and you're going to feel like uplifted. You're going to have not like a psychedelic visual experience, but for example, CBG, if you've ever, you know, tried that on any level of, you know, decarboxylizing it and drinking it or smoking it, um, it's a different feeling, right? And I think what's going to happen is you're going to start seeing these supplements, so to speak, or nutraceuticals come into the food beverage market. And then they're going to start adding them into a lot of these, I guess, consumables that we get uh, either at a bar or what have you. You're going to see more lounges, right? You're going to see more of these kind of fad things that came in and out, um, kind of in like the hunk, like the, the crunchy areas of, you know, Portland, Seattle, and, you know, California, I think what's going to happen is more of these lounges are going to be, um, I guess, socially distanced-ish, or we're going to see what happens in the, the near future. But um, yeah, I think uh, we're going to nano encapsulate a lot of these molecules, such as what we did with time release capsules. I think they'll be able to put something of that in by 2026 in something that you're able to take or you come in you slap a patch on yourself right and then you consume right so i i I think those are both strong points the social aspect is definitely a big point of understanding how big the market can be but i'm going to take the stance that in 2026 the beverage market's going to be huge because of the two different verticals right you've got the the psychoactive one where people are consuming to try and get as inebriated as possible. And then you've got the, let's call it the vitamin water style where they're taking all these cannabinoids in order to try and have, let's say, recovering feeling. But the one thing that I'm going to disagree with you, Kellen, on is that in 2026, I don't want to be hung over anymore. I'm done with that. Yeah, so fuck that. If, if I have to consume, let's say, let me rephrase, when I consume alcohol and I get hung over, if I consumed a THC beverage and didn't get hung over, I'm going to replace that terrible feeling of having to waste my entire day consuming vitamins, water, and just feeling miserable about myself that I've probably aged past the, the social aspect. But it's a different, <laughs> it's a different high, right? Like, but if I, but if I could feel like those two to ones, yes, it's a different feeling. But if I can feel your bodies in a social situation, if you have two cannabis beverages, you're going to sit on the couch with a blanket and watch a movie. No, because I'm not having that much. I'm hopeful that at that point, the combination is such that when I consume those beverages, I feel like I do with the two to ones where I feel phenomenal. And I don't feel like I need to go hide in the couch and cover my eyes because I'm too stoned. I can't be outside. So I'm hopeful that those type of feelings can be replicated in these beverages and I don't think I need to have six or seven drinks. Like, yeah, it's fun to do all those things. But at the end of the day, like if I could have, you know, two bourbons and feel smashed, it would probably save that hangover that has been murdering me since a little while now. Well, no, I've never had a hangover. <laughs> You've never, that's not, no. that's not true. We're just Kellen just goes, he, Kellen feels a hangover. This is how Kellen goes through his hangover. He has a hangover and then brings you to a top of a mountain. 
and makes you freaking walk 10 miles up a cliff through the, and forgets like how dangerous it is and says, oh, the elevation will definitely help your hangover. No, it's the, I, I'm luckily I'm not going to die. So is, that, like, is that a fact? Elevation does not help a hangover? No. Yeah, we, started, like, we started it when I like got there and I was like, oh, I forgot how dangerous this was. And I looked back and I was like, have you been taught to like fall down a mountain? And he was like, what? <laughs> I have a Kellen also, when he's hung over, he, he goes and works out early in the morning. So we, we really <laughs> differ in those concepts. I mean, I, I try to do that, but Kellen just, he's a different type of person. He's a super he's, he's, all right, Well, thanks for coming on, Mike. We appreciate your time. And what, that's it? That's all we get? It's, it's, it's supposed to be 10 minutes, bro. That's the dime, right? Like, I'm having fun. I want to keep doing this. Can well, we, we, can, this we, can, we can bring you on back again. We'll, we'll run it by tomorrow. the Tomorrow. Okay. Next time on the dime. I'll be on time. I'll be on time. <laughs> okay. Then maybe we'll consider you higher on the list. Okay, great. <laughs> Thanks for your time, Mike. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.